Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 138 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. For part one, I will be on my own, but I as couldn't get away too quickly. I did uh, make him promise to not just myself, but also you, the listeners, that he will be with me in part two. He will have the latest and greatest news in the boxing world. And we will also be talking about, of course, the previewing together. So he will be with with me in part two but for part one it is just me myself and you guys so um please stick with me we will start of course with the review and it's pretty weird not talking to anybody so hopefully you're all listening and you can all hear me loud and clear um we will be starting at york hall or I will be starting at York Hall, Bethnal Green, London, United Kingdom. Of course, this card took place on the Wednesday night, so just yesterday. Um, a couple fights really to mention on this one. I'm going to fly through the undercard before we get on to the main event. Craig Richards, he picked up a KO in round three of a scheduled six-round fight against Bosco Misic, 15-7. and seven. Craig Richards now 12-1. and one. It was good for him to get that win there. Two knockout wins in a row for him now, albeit it against not very great opponents really but since that loss to Frank Buglioni he certainly um, seeming to be quite a quite a threat quite a good fighter at 175 um, all the very best to Craig Richards. Bosco Misic, the man in the other corner, he gets knocked out there once again. I think he's now got eight losses, seven by knockout, so no real surprise there. Danny Dignam picked up a very questionable points win over six rounds against, I, I don't really want to call him a journeyman, but you know the guy's, the guy's record's 5-11 and 11 now with four draws. A guy called Anthony Fox. Well, Anthony Fox actually had Danny Dignam down twice in the fourth round. Um, quite a questionable one there. A lot of people saying that really and truly Danny Dignam shouldn't have got the verdict there. The referee, Bob Williams, gave it 57-56. So just one point in it there over six rounds for Danny Dignam. Danny Yelusinov, the Olympic gold medalist, he moved to 2-0. It was his first fight in the UK, of course, he's, he's with Eddie Hearn. He's he's supposed to be quite a, a star in the future for sure. He took on a guy called Zoltan Cesarbo, twenty four and eleven. Now this guy is now twenty four and twelve. Um, Yelusinov was expected to probably knock him out. He didn't actually do that. He didn't even really seem to trouble him at any point. He did win a complete shutout though over six rounds. So Daniel Yelusinov now. He is 2-0. and um, This guy, just to have a little look at his record, Suzaba, I've heard of the name before. He's been over here a couple of times. He got knocked out in nine rounds by Robbie Davies Jr. I think he, he also beat Stephen Ormond at one point. Then I believe Stephen Ormond avenged that loss. Also, he fought O'Hara Davies and got knocked out in five rounds um, there. And I remember that fight, actually. O'Hara Davies fought this guy... 
Um, and the guy was actually undefeated at the time, and O'Hara didn't look too great. It was actually at York Hall. It was a free event that you could just turn up to. People probably think I'm I'm lying about that, but I remember. I think it was like a Joshua fight weighing. I think it might have been the Charles Martin fight. They did like a little event. They had two fights on the bill: Craig Richards and O'Hara Davies. And this was actually the guy. So um, I didn't know that was the same guy. But yeah, all the very best to Zoltan Cesarbo. Also on the bill, Felix Cash moved to 9-0, and a points win over 8 rounds against Francis Choffo, who's now 19-15. and 15. Um, Choffo was down from a right hand in the 6th round. Felix Cash picked up every round, really, a scorecard of 80-71 to 71 from referee Jeff Hines. Um, a pretty relatively easy win there for Felix Cash. A little bit of a boring fight. He didn't really need to up the gears too much. One thing I will say about Choffo is he's now picked up 15 losses, but he's never been stopped. So to actually have him down, I suppose, is a bit of a statement there from Felix Cash. Choffo, though, has actually fought Maciel Selecki. That's the guy that fought and gave a few problems to, actually, um, to, to Daniel Jacobs a few weeks back now on April 28th in Brooklyn. So that's the Polish guy there, but he's not really a big puncher. So no real surprise that he wasn't able to stop Choffo as well. But yeah, a very tough guy, and to have him down, it's a bit of a statement made there from Felix Cash. Moving up the bill once again. Ted Cheeseman moved to 14-0. and It was a TKO in round four against the previously undefeated Paulie Upton, who went into this fight with a record of 15-0. and It's now 15-1. and This one was for Ted Cheeseman's WBA International Super Welterweight title. Upton was down three times in that fourth round. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Cheeseman, you know, he's very, very precise. He doesn't waste any shots. He's very fit. He's very very strong, he can box, he can fight, and it was really just a seek and destroy style performance. Very, very accurate stuff from Ted Cheeseman. Like I say, he doesn't waste a shot. He was able to just break Upton down and just overwhelm him, really, big time. Um, he put the pressure on when he needed to. He was very smart with what he did. And it was a real statement made there, in my opinion. Upton, he did start well, but Cheeseman used his strength, he used his ability, and that becomes a huge, huge victory there. He certainly showed levels in that fight, and I'd love to see him fight Anthony Fowler, but I don't think that fight will happen anytime soon, but real statement made there from Ted Cheeseman. All the very best to him. Still a young, young guy. He's still only 22 years of age, and I believe he'll fight anybody, so it'd be interesting to see what they do with him. Moving up the bill once again, Reese Bellotti 12-0. He took on Ryan Doyle, 16-2 with one draw. I could not believe it. Reese Bellotti got knocked out in the fifth round, a TKO. Bellotti was down prior to the stoppage. The referee decided to not let him get back up and waved it off. Um, I mean, it was it was a good fight while it lasted. I felt that it was it was a war, really. Both men stood toe-to-toe. Both men were hurt at times. Bellotti was probably winning the fight at the time of the stoppage. He seemed to actually get clipped. I think it was by a right hand, he got clipped on the temple and his leg sort of buckled and Doyle quickly jumped on him and the, you know, the stoppage did appear a little bit premature Terry O'Connor didn't give Bellotti a chance to get up, it was a little bit controversial especially as Bellotti was the champion, awful matchmaking for Bellotti by the way and we've got to give massive credit to Doyle who was a huge underdog going in and we've we've just got to really applaud him there because he's, he's much better than people give him credit for including myself in that bracket I've said that, 
you know, I felt Belotti would win and win very well. I went with a knockout in the prediction league. So did Iaz and so did the listeners. So it shocked all of us. Um, the one thing about Doyle, you can't really read too much into his bad performances because it's been down to the fact that he's got a job outside of boxing and I know that he took time off for this camp and he's now reaping the reward of that. So all the very best to Ryan Doyle. He is now the new Commonwealth featherweight champion. His record 17-2 and two with one draw. Reese Bellotti loses his O. It's been a bad few months, I guess, really you know, for trainer Jimmy Mack, because you've got to kind of think back to DeGaul losing his world title. Fair enough, he's come back and avenged it and got his belt back, but he hasn't really looked very good lately. Um, you know, he's, he's not really the most talked about super middleweight in the world anymore. And also, I remember Jake Ball being knocked out brutally. Uh, that was, I mean, that was over a year ago now, but I'm just kind of saying it's been a bad sort of 18 or so months really for their whole gym. Reese Bellotti loses his O here. Um, I think they had a, one or two fighters leave the gym as well. So it's been a bit of a rocky stage for those guys there. All the very best to Jimmy Mack though. Um, also on this bill, the main event, Luke the Duke Watkins, 13-0, and 0, took on Lawrence Acoli, 8-0. Somebody's O had to go. It was for the Commonwealth Cruiserweight title, which belonged to Watkins, and it was for the WBA Continental Cruiserweight title, which belonged to Lawrence Acoli. Now, Watkins was down twice in the third round where the TKO ultimately came. Um, the fight itself, though, I felt that Watkins was very, very cagey in the first round. He, you know, he doesn't like to admit it, but in my opinion, he's a very slow starter. Akoli came out, um, you know, with, with, with intent straight away. He's known, I think, as a little bit of a fast starter. I think that's probably due to the fact that he fought quite a few journeymen and he was kind of, you know, banging them away in a round or two. He didn't really start too fast against Isaac Chamberlain because that was his real proper first fight, if you like. And then in this one, he, you know, he did start sort of with intent. Like I say, I wouldn't say he went over over the top with it. I felt that his size advantage was being used straight away at Coley, really, you know, using his advantage there. He wasn't over committing. He was just kind of touching Watkins with the jab. Nothing really telling landed in that first round. Watkins was targeting the body of a Coley, but again, he didn't do too much at all in the first round. The second round was pretty much more of the same. It seemed like Luke was waiting for a Coley to slow down a little bit. It seemed like those were his tactics. He was also taking a few shots himself in that second round. It was early signs there that perhaps the game plan needed to adjust a little bit. Once again, Akoli wasn't using too much energy in that round. He wasn't over committing at all. And in the third round, this is where the fight ended. Akoli was able to find Luke the Duke Watkins with his right hook. And for about 10 seconds, I'm not sure if Watkins was, was hurt and stunned by one of the right hooks or something like that, because he couldn't seem to block any of Akoli's shots. And Akoli was just teeing off on him for about 10 seconds. I think he landed about six or seven shots flush before Watkins went down the first time, which was quite impressive, really, because Akoli can really hit hard. And to take six shots kind of does show us quite a good chin. It must be all that hair on Luke the Duke Watkins' chin. And Watkins did get back up pretty quickly to his credit. He carried on, but he just walked straight into a big jab right away as soon as the referee said box on. And once again, he just couldn't keep his gloves up and he got tagged a couple more times before tumbling once again to the canvas. But that time, the referee waved it off and um, 
Paddy Fitzpatrick threw the towel in right as the referee waved it off as well. So a great win there for Lawrence Okoli. Another belt for him. Another undefeated fighter's record under his belt that he's taken away. And of course, another main event for him as well. He's topping a couple of bills now in a row. So all the very best to him. He's, he's certainly turning into a real force. And he's progressing very quickly now. I like what they're doing with him. More of the same, please, Lawrence. So a great card all in all, I guess, from um, from Matram there on a Wednesday night it was something different did you like it did you not let me know at box hard podcast on Twitter moving over now though to a card that happened we're going to kind of go back in time a little bit this card happened on the weekend just gone one or two fights to mention over in Australia at the Melbourne Pavilion Blake Caparello 26 and 3 with one draw took on Trent Broadhurst 20 and 2 Trent Broadhurst was the guy that got knocked out in a round by Dimitri Bivol for the vacant world title Blake Caparello once upon a time um, knocked Kovalev down but then got knocked out I think the round after that so both men have fought at the top level well anyway Blake Caparello though was able to get the TKO in the very first round so a really really impressive knockout win for him he's now 27 and 3 with one draw Trent Broadhurst I believe that is two first round knockout losses in a row for him um, the first one, of course, to Dimitri Bivol. No real shame in that one at all, even though we were quite um, quite annoyed because we wanted to see more of Bivol at the time. He's shown us a lot more since then. But for Trent Broadhurst to fight Blake Caparello and get knocked out like that, that really is a statement made there for Blake Caparello. I'm guessing another big shot will be on the horizon for him. Moving over now, though, to the Belasco Theatre in Los Angeles, California. What do we have over here? Prospect Joshua Franco moved to win number 14. He's got one loss as well. Well, it was a KO in round five of six against Iseo Carranza, who's now 15 and 12 with one draw. Shout out to Joshua Franco, a protege of the Robert Garcia Boxing Academy. Um, also, what do we have? We have something that happened in Germany at the Wii Arena. Um, what is there to mention over here? Top of the bill, Robin Kresnicki, 47-5. and five. He fought for the vacant EBU European super middleweight title against Stanislav Kashtanov, who's 36-2, and two, now 36-3. and three, A unanimous decision in favor of Robin Kresnicki. Once again, a man that has, you know, has, has had so many fights. And I don't think, I think he's probably about, I think he's early 30s or something like that. But he's had over 50 fights now. So I think he's going to probably have one or two more. Um, I doubt he's going to get a world title shot again at this point. But um, I think he'll probably defend the belt once or twice. Get to his 50 wins and probably just hang the gloves up. He's had a long career. Moving over now, though, to Hungary. One fight to mention over here. Prince Patel moved to 15, and oh, he's still got that one draw, of course. It was a unanimous decision over six rounds against Jabba Memeshishi, who's now 7-6. and six. Prince Patel now has a top 10 world ranking with the WBO, would you believe it? All the very best to him, the very, um, very, very controversial, I, I used to call him a controversial flyweight, because at the time he was a flyweight. Well, now, unbelievably, this fight here... I believe it was supposed to be at featherweight, of course, which is 126. He came in over the featherweight limit by, um, I think, almost by a pound. So really and truly, on paper, he's weighed in as a super featherweight. And he was once upon a time a flyweight, which is quite unbelievable, to be honest. I'm not quite sure where his body is at the moment. He looks in good shape, but he's all over the place.
place with the weight, and um, that could be that could be quite a bad thing for him, really, when a big shot does come, which we all think will probably happen. Moving over now, though, to Poland at the G2A Arena. One or two fights to mention over here. Lukas Rosanski, 8-0, took on our very own Michael Sprott, 42-28. and This would be Michael Sprott's 71st fight, but he was knocked out in the second round, to be honest. I think Michael Sprott should probably retire now. He's um, He's had too many losses. He's now his 29th loss there, and he can't be, you know, he can't be getting knocked out repeatedly like this. It's, it's bad for his health, of course. So I'd like to see him hang the gloves up. But the main event here, former world champion Christoph Wolodzik, 54 and four with one draw, picked up a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds against Olam Rawaju at Duradola, 27 and five. So a good win there for Wolodzik, and that really wraps up the review. And I've tried to whiz through that as quick as possible. Of course, there were many fights to mention, but being on my own is kind of strange. And thank you all for staying with me this far. We will have eyes in part two. The last thing, though, to do just before we wrap up part one is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current interim WBC super lightweight champion of the world, Mr. Regis Progre. Regis, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thanks for having me on again. Hey, it's my pleasure, just like the last time, my friend. So, Regis, I probably should have asked you this last time, actually, because we, you know, we really spoke in depth last time about everything, really, from your growing up to the Hurricane Katrina to, you know, being next to Evander Holyfield in a gym. But I want to ask you a question you've probably been asked a million times. Why do you call yourself the Rougarou? I understand it's a mythical creature. Yeah, well, it was just a, it really is a nickname, you know, it's, um, at the time, I think I was 4-0 or something like that, and my, my daddy and my manager at the time, they was, like, trying to come up with some, um you know, some nicknames and stuff, and they went back and forth, said all kinds of things, and then, you know, they said, my, I think my daddy said the roof, he just threw it out there, and, you know, my my manager at the time was like, yeah, that's it, you know, that's it, the roof, that's, you know, that's, that's the name, and then... It just, um, you know, at first, and really, at first, I really didn't like it, and then it, it just stuck, you know, and, and so I guess that's what I am, not a root Yeah, I like it, man, I like it, and I like the mask that you've got as well, it's brilliant, man, it really, it really is quite yeah, a thing. It's, it's one of one, that's, that's custom made, one of one. Wow, there you go. <laughs> so Regis, we spoke before your last fight against Julius Indongo. At the time when we spoke, you were actually supposed to be fighting uh, Victor Postel, but of course he had to pull out and instepped a very tall, very awkward southpaw called Julius Indongo, whose only loss was to Terence Crawford, a former uh, two-time world champion himself. It was an extremely risky switch of opponent with not that long left to go till the fight. And of course, Terence Crawford um, had a brilliant fight against against him where he knocked him out in three rounds it was always going to be very difficult for you to outdo what Crawford did but boy oh boy did you do it a second round TKO you had the guy down four times walk us through that fight what a win yeah man um you know like for me you know like going into the fight how I like well like going yeah going into the fight I really didn't think I was going to compete with Crawford, I really, I really, it wasn't really on my mind to go compete with Terrence Crawford, you know, because he did, he did it very impressive, he did it in the, you know, he did it in the third round, and he did it very, very impressive, so, um, I just, like I said, going into the fight, I was like, I'm not going to compete with him, but then as the fight got close, I was like, you know, I need to make a statement, and, you know, I'm, I, and I just went out there and knocked him out in the second round, you know, and then, of course, I got, I got on TV and talked a little shit about it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I wasn't going to be the one to say it, but of course, after the interview, me and you have exchanged texts back and forth, and I remember, you know, we spoke quite a lot, to be honest, over text, and I know that you really wanted to, you know, make a statement against Postal and stop him because Crawford couldn't, and I remember you actually saying to me, it's going to be hard to compete with the third round knockout, and then when you did it, I just, I mean, I just couldn't believe it, to be honest, a brilliant, brilliant win, of course, you became the new interim WBC world champion, the very next day you flew to Mikey Garcia's fight, if I'm not mistaken, with Sergei Lipinets. Yeah. We found mm-hmm. out quite a lot about Lipinets that night. How do you rate him amongst the other guys at 140? Ah, man, Lipinets is actually good, man. Lipinets is better than I thought he was. You know, I really haven't seen too much of Lipinets, but, you know, um, I, I actually like his style, you know, like his, his style of fighting. It's, it's kind of awkward and weird, but it's, it's, um, it's calculated at the same time. You know, he had, I think he gave Mikey more trouble than Mikey expected. You know, he did, now, of course, he did drop him. You know, he did drop um, Lippinets, but he Lippinets got back up, and you know he kept fighting. He kept fighting Mikey off, and he made Mikey slip a lot of. He made Mikey miss a lot of punches by slipping and rolling and moving his head and stuff like that. Um, and he had a good jab. He, I mean, he 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 did he did better. Really, for me, he did better than expected. You know, um, of course, Mikey's one of the best in the world right now. Either you know at thirty five or forty or wherever you want to put him right now. I don't, I wouldn't say one forty seven, but. As far as 35 and 40, he's definitely one of the best in the world. And, you know, he fought Lippinus. And, you know, I thought I thought Lippinus was going to, on me, I thought Mikey was going to knock him out. And he didn't. You know, Lippinus showed, you know, he showed he showed me a lot that night, you know. And I was, you know, um, you know, he I think he's still, he's still definitely a threat in the 140-pound division. Yeah, for sure. Very well said there. Um, we all found out quite a lot about him. And of course, the following week, uh, the full WBC title was at stake when Jose Ramirez fought Amir Imam. I know that you weren't too happy about that fight uh, when we last spoke. A unanimous decision in favor of Ramirez. Were you impressed at all with either guy? I'm, I wouldn't say impressed. I wasn't impressed by neither one of them. You know, they, I mean, they you know, they okay, basically, you know, I'm not going to say I was impressed by either one of them. They, they're not, you know, of course they're not bad, but I think they're, they're both of them are, you know, they kind of average, um, you know, Ramirez actually got hit by a lot of punches, you know, um, he, but he, he dished more punishment out later on, you know, he, his thing, he was in, he was in more shape, you know, he, he had a better win, he had better conditioning, and he was in more shape than um than Amir Mar, you know. So I think he just kind of took over the late rounds, you know. But at first, you know, he was getting hit. Amir Mar was hitting him with a lot of jabs. I mean, he was hitting him with a whole lot of jabs, and he hit him with a lot of a couple of right hands too, you know. Um, but you know, he he stuck in there, and his conditioning was. I think you know the thing that made him win was his conditioning. You know, that was basically the only thing that 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 gave him the advantage. You know, but um. You know, it was it was a it was a good fight that night. Of course, I was Calvin Ramirez, but at the same time, I was there as a fan and I had fun that night. So I can't even trip. And Jose Ramirez has since split with Freddie Roach. He's now working with Robert Garcia. Um, that's quite a quite a feisty move, I guess. Do you see that as a good move for him or not? I'm not sure, man. I can't really speak on it. I know, um, you know, I know Robert is a, is a very, very good trainer. You know, um, he's younger. You know, um, maybe Freddie is, you know, getting old and losing a step. You know, he had, you know, because Pacquiao left him also. You know, so, um, you know, Freddie might be, you know, he might start, you know, he might starting to be um, losing a step. Or I don't know, you know, but um, I think maybe Robert is a better a, a better trainer for him. I'm not sure. You'll never know until, you know, we see this next fight and, 
and see if he improved on anything. Um, you know, sometimes you, you might leave a train and you might improve, or sometimes you might get worse. So, you know, we'll see in his next fight. And talking of next fights, your next fight will be on July the 14th in Louisiana. You're topping that bill. You'll be taking on a man called Juan Velasco, who's 20-0 and 0 with 12 KOs. It will be shown on ESPN in the States. What do we know about this guy? I don't know anything at all, honestly. You know, I know he, all I know is he's Argentinian, and, um, you know, yeah, he's from Argentina, and he's He's a hungry, you know, basically, you know, a hungry champion. Not a champion, but he's hungry. He's 20 and 0. And that's really, for me, that's all I need to know. You know, um, it's still, people can say what they want about boxers, but, you know, it's still a man fighting another man. And that, you know, both men are trying to hurt each other, you know. So all it takes is one punch. So that's all I really need to know. This guy is, of course, coming off of two knockouts in a row. They call him El Pitbull, which is quite a nice name as well. Um... But yeah, aside from that, I mean, in, in in your eyes, I'm sure you want to go out there and take another guy's O, just like you did um, Joe Diaz. Yeah, basically, of course, you know, um, just go out there and, you know, have fun and, and, and do what I got to do, basically, you know. Um, I'm not going to change up nothing I've been doing. You know, I've been giving out dominant performances and, you know, just go out there and, you know, do the same thing. One thing I should throw out is that his last fight, um, he fought a southpaw, which is obviously good preparation for him. He knocked that guy out in two rounds. So, yeah, I'm sure he's probably a much different southpaw to you, but it's it's, it's a good step for him, I guess. Another brilliant fight that's happening at 140 is UK's Josh Taylor will be taking on Victor Postel, the man you were supposed to fight. Who do you see winning that one? Have you seen much of Josh Taylor, by the way? Uh, I mean, I haven't seen much. I've seen some things on him, um, not too much, but from he's what I've seen, like, he, he good looks pretty good. I'm telling you, you yeah, know? he's real good. Yeah, he looks. Yeah, yeah, he looks real good. You know, um, outside game, inside game, he's real good. You know, I feel like he's really good. Also, I, of course, I feel like I'm the best fighter in the world at 140, but I feel like he's right behind me, basically. You know, so um, I do see him winning and 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 beating uh, Victor Postal. You know, but we we haven't seen Victor Postal in a long time, so maybe he's refreshed. And you don't, you never know. You never know. You know who's gonna show up that night. And the World Boxing Super Series, as far as I know, it's all rumours at the moment, but we're hearing a possible tournament at 140. Is there anything that you can tell us at all at this stage about that? No, it's not a rumour at all. It's, it's happening. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's happening. happening, and I'll be in it. Yeah, it's happening, and I will be in it. Yeah, um, I basically, I think that I might be fighting in September or October, and, um, you know, I, I definitely want to fight before that is going to happen, so that's why, you know, that's why um, I'm getting a fight on July 14th, and then after that, you know, I take, a, you know, maybe a, a week or two off from the gym, and then I go right back into it and, and prepare for the tournament. So, yeah, the tournament is happening. Brilliant, brilliant. That would be so great for your profile as well, I'm sure. Um, you know, you'll go into that, I'm guessing, as the favorite, to be honest, you know, amongst the other guys. So that would be great yeah, for you. Most people, yeah, most people picking me as the favorite. You know, I just don't I don't let that get to my head, though. You know, I still got to go out there and train. You know, I, you know, the favorite is just for people's opinions. And, you know, I have to do it myself. I have to go out there and win no matter what, you know. So, um, you know, but yeah, of course, it's good to be picked the favorite. But at the same time, I want to be in there like I'm a challenger, like I'm not the favorite, like I'm the least, the, the least favorite to win. That's how I look at it. Yeah, the underdog mentality. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now I'm gonna throw three fights at you, um, just now. Uh-huh. 
they're all happening at welterweight they're all happening very soon and I'd like you to tell me who you believe will win the fight and by which method, whether it's points or knockout. You fancy that? That's cool. Okay. Cool. Here's three for you. Um, Crawford against Jeff Horn. I got Crawford. Um, by, un- by unanimous decision. Yeah, I think it goes points as well. I think Horn's quite a tough guy. Um, Pacquiao versus Matisse. Oh, man. That's kind of hard, man. It you know, is... um, I-, I still got to go with Pacquiao. Um... I think I think Pacquiao actually I think Pacquiao by stoppage. Wow, wow, that's yeah, that's I big. Think Pacquiao, I, yeah, I think Pacquiao by stoppage. I don't think he'll knock him out, but I think maybe um, you know the referee or the corner will stop the fight. Um, but it's it's hard to pick. But it's hard for me to go against Pacquiao. You know, Pacquiao is one of my idols, and of course he's getting older. And you know, in his last outing against Jeff Horn, he didn't really look too good. But Matisse isn't Jeff Horn, you know. So um, I, I I got Pacquiao by stoppage. And I've saved the most 50-50 fight here out of the three, in my opinion anyway, till last. Garcia, Danny Garcia versus Sean Porter. Yeah, man, that's 50-50, just like you said. That's 50-50. That's, that'll be a real good fight. That's a good fight for boxing fans, period. You know, it, it's always good when... It's a 50-50 fight. You got two of the best fighters in the world at their divisions, and it's it's a pick 'em fight. It's a 50-50 fight, you know. So, um, but I, I lean more towards Garcia. You know, I lean more towards Danny Garcia. I think I think it'll be, you know, I think it's a pretty even fight. But I, for me, I lean more towards um Danny Garcia because um I feel like for him, every time he stepped up, he showed out. You know, um, you know they always they put him in a lot of hard fights, and you know every time he had to step out. You know, step up. He showed out. You know, and um, as far as Sean Porter, um, I think he's he's more he he's a bulldog. Of course, he's rough and stuff. But I think Danny can show more sides than you know just you know just one thing. So I pick I pick Danny. Okay, I'm guessing by points, yeah. By points, I don't think he'll knock him out. Yeah, I definitely don't think he'll knock him out. I don't, I'm, Sean Porter hasn't ever been knocked out. He's been hit by Carol Brook, and, and, you know, so I don't think, I definitely don't think he'll be knocked out. But um, I think he can get out pointed. Yeah. Three very strong predictions there, actually. Well done there. Um, and just before I let you go, Regis, anything that you want to tell us at all? Anything at all just before we let you go? Yeah, man. Um, I just want everybody to come to the fight, you know. Um, I know you are way across the pond, but. You know, just I want everybody to come to the fight. If, if people are here in the United States or here in the south of the United States, I'm fighting here July 14th in New Orleans. And, you know, um, it's going to be crazy. You know, um, we just did a press conference today with the mayor, with the promoters, with, you know, some politicians. And and it was just phenomenal. Everybody was there. Everybody showed out. So, you know, I just, you know, I want as many people as can come as they can, you know, um, because I'm trying, my, my goal is to bring big time boxing back to New Orleans. And I think I, I feel like, you know, I'm the man to single-handedly do it, you know, because, you know, boxing, a lot of people don't know the, the history of boxing, but, you know, New Orleans has, New Orleans had the first heavyweight champion ever was here in New Orleans between John Sullivan and Jim Corbett, you know, and, and most people don't know that, but it was here. It was here in New Orleans. And um and then the longest fight that ever lasted ever was here in New Orleans. It was 110 rounds. Um, I forgot the people's name that fought, but um you know it was here in New Orleans. So New Orleans has a lot of boxing history, and of course I leave for the Dome, Sugar Ray Leonard and Durant fought in the Dome. Um, so 
you know, we have a lot of boxing history, and I just want people to, um, you know, I want people, I want, I want to try to bring it back. And I, you know, of course, I have the best chance and the best opportunity to do it. You know, with my record right now and the the popularity I have right now in New Orleans, you know, I have the best chance of doing it. So um, that's it. You know, I just I want everybody to come out, and you know, I guarantee you, I put on a show, another statement fight, basically. And for those guys that want to purchase tickets, is there a website to get them from? It's RegisProgray.com. Very, very Reg- Ah, you got w- your own w- website w- now. Regis. I have my own website, RegisProgray.com. If you want tickets, go there and get them. And, um, yeah, and, and I'll see you at the fight. Excellent, excellent. Have you got any T-shirts on there or any merchandise people can get as well? I have, yes, I have T-shirts and merchandise. Yes, sir. Okay, so everyone, check out www.regisprograde.com. I will be doing that after this interview, I feel. Um, Regis, it's been my pleasure as always, my friend. Thank you for your time. Best of luck for July 14th, and we will catch up sometime after, I'm sure. Cool, man. All right, man. Thanks. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show, and as promised, we've got the main man himself, Mr. Ayaz Sumra here. Also, Ayaz, how are you doing? Um, just before you bring in the news, I just really wanted to ask you, how are you doing, man? I'm good, Joe. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Like I say, just before we get into the previewing, um, the main thing to do now, of course, is to go over to you, Ayaz, who has a short list of the latest news. Take it away. Brendan Ingle has passed away. Yeah, very, very sad loss for the boxing world. Um, this guy was a man that, of course, taught some of the best, really, ever to you know to lace up a pair of gloves from the UK. I mean, everybody that we speak to um, in interviews and things like that, literally everyone that even listens to our show week in, week out, or just even very occasionally, every interview, whenever we speak to someone from overseas, 99.9% of the time they say my favourite UK fighter of all time was Prince Nassim Hamed. That man was taught from absolutely nothing. You know, he was taught by Brendan Ingle. Um, There's many, many others, of course. Johnny Nelson went on to be a real good champion in the end. He really started from the bottom. Um, There's many more. I mean, even the likes of Harold Graham that never, of course, got the, you know, the the luck, really, I suppose, when it really come down to it on his side. He never managed to win a world title, but what a fantastic fighter he was on his day. And all these people were all taught by, um, you know, by Brendan Ingle. So it's it's a real sad loss. I know that Kid Galahad also had some dealings with him as well. And Kid Galahad especially really took this one hard because he was almost like a father figure for him. So, you know, the whole boxing world really has took a bit of a loss here because he was such a brilliant um, a brilliant trainer and a real guy that you know just knew boxing inside out i mean he he did things differently he did things his own way he taught his fighters a completely different angle of fighting he made them all switch hitters he made them all you know he, he just he just invented that ingle style and you know of course his son dominic ingle is now in charge of the ingle gym and i think that it's great hands to leave it in because i think dominic's already achieved some wonderful things but i just wish the whole family the best of luck really and of course condolences um as well from us dave allen will face tony yoka on june 23rd in paris Yeah, I mean, there was, of course, talk of this fight perhaps happening, and it seems like it's now being signed. Um, You say there, did you say June 23rd, Ayaz? Yes. Okay, so yeah, that's not really long long away, to be honest. Um, He's not going to give Dave Allen enough time, really, to get in tip-top condition. Um, 
let's be honest, he's going in there as an opponent massively. He's going in there to really get beaten and... I'm guessing they're going to probably try and stop him. I don't think that will happen. I think Dave Allen could probably last the distance, to be honest. Uh, we will probably do a prediction league on that fight when it comes a bit closer. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Dave Allen do it. Of course, Tony Yoka, um, he was the guy that beat very controversially Joe Joyce in the Olympic finals. He, of course, picked up the gold medal. Um, he's he's fouled a couple of... Well, I don't want to say fouled a test as a professional, but he's missed tests as a professional. Um, when the dopers have, have come round to, you know, to test him, I shouldn't call them dopers, the doping testing agency. Um, when when they've come to test him, he hasn't been where he said he was. He was, um, you know, he'd, he'd failed to, to inform them of his whereabouts a few times. So quite suspicious of him, actually. Um, I think he was also given some kind of ban for some whatever reason. I don't know what it was, but now he's fighting again. So it's all a bit weird. I don't think that Dave Allen really stands a chance in there, especially if he's got stuff in his system, this guy. I really hope he doesn't for Dave Allen's health. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's, 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 they're just taking a name over there, really. It's a shame that Dave Allen's going to have another loss on his resume, but I just can't see a way he can win this one at all. And finally... Billy Joe Saunders' fight with Martin Murray has been called off after Billy Joe Saunders sustained an injury. Yeah, heartbreak really for Martin Murray. I feel sorry for him. He's a guy that, of course, he's at the tail end of his career. He's had to now go through two camps for this particular fight. Um, I think it was April the 14th. That one fell through due to an injury on Billy Joe Saunders. Um, and now this one's fell through for the same reason. He's injured another part of his body. Everybody's saying it's quite suspicious because, of course, there hasn't been any further announcement to do with Canelo and Golovkin. It's looking like perhaps Frank Warren and his team have done some kind of sneaky deal behind closed doors with one of those two guys. However, I don't quite think so just yet anyway I think maybe they could be in talks but I don't think anything's been signed just yet because I think it would be such huge news that I don't think they'd be able to keep it under wraps really um, not only that but of course it would be very soon to announce something like that if they were going to do that but I feel very sorry for Martin Murray of course like I say he doesn't have many big fights left in him at all if any and he's been denied this one now and I'm not quite sure where he goes from here Martin Murray I think he was very fortunate to find himself in I believe it was his fifth world title shot and um, he should have been a world champion before we know that but you know his days are now his best days are now behind him and he's managed to get another shot but of course it's now not happening and I don't really know what he does from here I'd like to see him get paid really just to reimburse what he's laid out on two training camps of you know for fights that have fallen through but yeah, I'm not quite sure where he goes. Of course, Billy Joe, it doesn't really matter too much. If he is injured, then of course he needs to you know, take some time out, but he will be taking that time out with his world title next to him. And of course, if, it, if, if the injury is a fake injury and he's actually holding out for something a lot bigger, then of course you can't really blame him for doing that financially. But yeah, I feel sorry for the fans. I feel sorry for Martin Murray. And if the injury is genuine, then of course we have to feel sorry for Billy Joe as well. But yeah, I'm a fan of both guys, so... Uh, um, you know, a bit sad to really see this fight, you know, not go ahead after much anticipation. Yep, that's it for the news. 
Okay, starting now, we're going to do the preview, but we're going to talk about a card that is happening in Illinois. This one, I believe, is tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. It's going to be shown on CBS in the United States. A couple fights to mention on this bill, really. We have Mike Lee, the undefeated contender now, I suppose. His record 20-0. and 0. He's in a 10-rounder against Jose Hernandez, 19-3 and 3 with one draw. And the younger brother of Kubrat Pulev, Tavel Pulev, 10-0, and 0, I believe. This is his third fight in a row in three different countries. He takes on Armando Ancona, who is 8-7 and 7 with two draws. That's an eight-rounder there. I'm expecting 35-year-old younger brother of Kubrat Pulev, the younger brother. You know, that's that's quite amazing. He's he's got some catching up to do really. I'm expecting him to move to eleven and oh quite comfortably there. Moving over now though to the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, USA. One or two fights to mention on this bill, just the one. Diego De La Hoya, twenty and O. He puts his NABF Super Bantamweight title on the line and also his WBO NABO Super Bantamweight title on the line. This will be a 10-round contest. The man in the other corner goes by the name of Jose Salgado, a man with um, quite an impressive-looking resume, I suppose, on paper. This guy has a record of 36-4 and with two draws. Of his 36 wins, he's got 29 KOs. He's a Mexican fighter, so I'm sure he's got, the, you know, he's got a punch in him. Um... You've got to go back to 2015 where he got TKO'd in four rounds by Wissaxel Wangek. That's the guy with about 20 different names who beat Chocolatito twice. So there's no real shame in that one. But aside from that, all of his wins really pretty much have all been against guys that are not really known. So I'm expecting Diego De La Hoya to do a job here on his man. I'm liking what they're doing with him. I really like the way they're moving him actually. I think Golden Boy have done a fantastic job with him. Perhaps because his name's De La Hoya maybe something to do with that but yeah I like the way that they're stepping him up very gradually it's definitely uh, the right thing to do with a fighter that's still learning on the job moving over now though to Belgium one fight to mention in the female side of the sport Delphine Persoon 40 and 1 her resume she is the WBC world female lightweight title Um, of course she's going to be mentioned amongst the likes of Katie Taylor they're in the same division Katie Taylor's got two belts I'd like to see her take on this woman who um, box rec say is the number one at lightweight they've actually got Katie Taylor second so this Belgian female is quite something apparently she will be having a 10 round 10 of course 2 minute rounds uh, contest against Natalia Aguirre I think it said her resume it seems like a bit of a poor one actually for a world title um, a world title fight her resume 8 wins 10 losses and 3 draws I'm expecting Delphine Persoon to do a job on her her, on her lady, I should say. Uh, moving over now to Germany. There is one fight or two fights to mention over here. Firstly, Enrico Colin, 25-2. and two. He's the guy that lost in the, I think it was the last few seconds against Arta Baturbiev. He got stopped in the 12th and final round for the vacant IBF light heavyweight title. His opponent yet to be announced, actually. He's just on the undercar. But the main event over here in Germany, in a place called Saxon in Leipzig, 
Jack Kulkai, 23 and 3, fights for the vacant EBU European Union middleweight title against Adasat Rodriguez, 17 and 7, with two draws. I believe that's quite an easy fight there for Jack Kulkai. This guy, Adasat Rodriguez, I think he got stopped in two rounds by our very own Zach Parker, but that's nothing, uh, that's, that's not taking anything away from Zach Parker. He seems to be a right beast at the moment. Moving over now from Germany to Russia, what do we have over here? We've got a guy in one corner called Ike Shaq Nazarian. His record 21 and 2. He fights for the interim WBA Asia Super Lightweight title. In the other corner though, former world champion, former opponent of Floyd Mayweather Jr., Mr. Demarcus Corley, 51 wins. 29 losses and one draw. Of course, Demarcus Corley, a man that is fighting well into his 40s now, a man that really should have probably hung up the gloves a few years ago. We've had him on our show before, so for that reason, I really wish him well. But of course, the the odds are stacked against him. This guy, though, the, the, the you know the home fighter, the Russian guy, he has a loss to Edward Troyanovsky by knockout in the eighth round back in 2015. That was his last loss. Um, his other loss, it was a unanimous decision over eight rounds so not too much to look into there um, all the very best of course to Demarcus Corley Demarcus Chop Chop Corley moving over now though to Manchester Arena formerly the MEN in Lancashire United Kingdom of course a real stacked bill here a Frank Warren card there is a few guys making their debuts here we're going to just jump on to the bigger fights at the moment we have Zelfa Barrett 19 and 1 he takes on a man that is yet to be announced that's an 8 rounder there Zelfa Barrett of course looking to bounce back from his defeat to Ronnie Clark. So yeah, it'd be good to see Zelfa Barrett get back in the ring. I'd like to see how he fares. It'll probably be you know against a guy that we don't really know um, at the moment. It looks like it's going to be a journeyman, seeing as it's not been announced. It's, I think it's one of the two fights on the whole bill that there is no opponent in the other corner as of yet, with only a few days to go. Um, also on this bill, we have Nathan Gorman, 12-0. and 0. He takes on Big Sexy Sean Turner, 12-2. and 2. That will be a 10-round contest. A real step up there, I as for Mr. Nathan Gorman, a man that's been highly talked about by the likes of Ricky Hatton. Sean Turner, a man that's been on the road to really get where he's got to. And I tell you what, even though he's lost two fights, he's put a good shift in every time. This is a much closer fight than people are saying so online. And we're going to go to the predictions on this, Ayaz. What I've done, I've put a poll on Twitter, and I'm just going to give it a few more moments. Maybe at the end of the show, we'll read out the listeners' predictions. So for now, I'm going to give the poll a little bit more time to get a few votes in. But my personal pick on this, I believe that um, Nathan Gorman will win this one inside the distance by stoppage. Although the bookmakers, I've had a little look actually, they believe this fight will go to points. Um, I disagree. I think it'll be a knockout. I think Nathan Gorman wins by knockout. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I'm going to agree with that. Um, he's 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 a fresher guy, I suppose, and he's the guy that's on the up. He's the young guy, and if he is as good as what they're saying he is, then he should be able to beat big, sexy Sean Turner. Taking nothing away from him, of course, one of the best nicknames in the world. What else do we have? We have Mark Heffron, 19 and 0. He takes on Andrew Robinson. That's going to be a cracking fight there. Andrew Robinson, 21-3 and three with one draw. The thing about Mark Heffron, he's probably had one or two real tests, and he's managed to come through them with flying colours. But Andrew Robinson's a guy that 
I think has kind of had to do things the hard way. I remember he had a real good fight against Frank Buglioni. Um, it was a real war, to be honest with you. And I think he also had a real close fight with um, with Lee Markham, another guy that fought Buglioni and took him to deep waters at times. Um, all three of those guys fought each other, and it was quite a war every time. So this guy, Andrew Robinson, he may, you know, pose a bit of a threat here he will take you into deep waters and if you're not fit enough that's the main thing if you're not fit enough then it's, it's, it can be a real bad night for you so Mark Heffron has to be on his game here that's a 12 round contest no belt on the line though also on this field James Metcalf his record 17 and 0 he fights for the vacant WBC international super welterweight title in the other corner Ator Nieto 22 and 5 with one draw this guy Nieto's never been stopped Metcalf 17 and 0 certainly a guy that's on the up um, nine knockouts from his 17 so probably a bit of a points you know, points fight that one, I'm guessing. Um, all the very best, of course, to James Metcalf. Again, a guy that they're talking a lot about. They're talking about him perhaps taking on somebody like a Ted Cheeseman, who's also um, a man that we mentioned earlier on in the show. Uh, the main event here, well, I suppose there's kind of two main events. I'm not going to be too disrespectful here because there is a world title fight on the line. So let's talk about this one first. Terry Flanagan, 33-0, the man with the longest unbeaten record in British boxing right now. He fights for the vacant WBO World Super Lightweight title. In the other corner, Mighty Mo is his nickname, is of course... Maurice Hooker, a guy that is relatively unknown, I as from the US, of course, got a good trainer behind him, a man that, um, you know, when the fight was first going to happen on April the 14th, everybody was kind of overlooking him, but I think where we've kind of all had more time to have a look at this guy, everybody's kind of like, okay, this is not really a gimme fight now. I mean, he's a tall guy. Um, I think he's he's something like six foot two, something like that. So he's real, real tall for the weight. And, um, you know, I'm expecting it to be quite a good fight, to be honest with you, Ayaz. But perhaps he can bring the best out of Terry Flanagan. We're also going to do the predictions as well. Yes, I'm, I think I think it's going to be a very good fight for Flanagan. Obviously, um, Flanagan was meant to fight in the Billy Joe Saunders' first fight against Mario Murray. But obviously, due to the fact that it got cancelled, they had to push this back to Manchester. Obviously, um, Flanagan, in my opinion, I think he's going to be the home... Uh, I think he's going to be the favourite. Obviously, he's in his beloved seat of Manchester, where he's from... Um, in my opinion, do I think he's going to win? Yes, I do. I think, I think Flanagan's going to win. I think Flanagan's going to win this fight, and I think he's going to win it in points. Because um, with Flanagan, obviously, he doesn't have much power. So, but I therefore think he'll box him, and I think he'll win on points. I'm going to have to agree with you, Ayaz. Um I think that's probably Terry Flanagan's only downfall. He's technically very sound, but because he doesn't have that one-punch KO, uh, that KO power, and even perhaps he doesn't really have much of that. Um, you know, that accumulative power, really, he's not really a guy that gets many knockouts, and that can be, unfortunately, it really can be a bit of a put-off for some of the boxing fans, you know, people want to see knockouts, people want to see blood and stuff like that, and he doesn't really always provide that, sometimes he can kind of not really get out of first gear, he can get a little bit stuck, but saying that, he can also come out and do what he did to Diego Magdaleno and absolutely wipe the floor with a guy, so... That was a weird, weird performance from Terry Flanagan that night. He looked supersonic in there. Um, I'm expecting him to be a lot better at 140. I think he was really struggling to make 135, but this guy is a natural 140 fighter, so we do have to take that into account. This guy is also the much bigger puncher of the two. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to ride with you, Iaz, actually, and go with the Flanagan points. 
decision um, in favour of in favour of Flanagan. Um, but yeah, I'm expecting quite a good fight there actually on that one. And the main event, I suppose, it has to be the man returning to the ring after about two and a half years out of it. We've sorely missed him, but he's back this Saturday. Mr. Tyson Fury, the former lineal heavyweight champion of the world. Perhaps he's still the lineal champion of the world. He hasn't lost in the ring, but of course he doesn't have any of the four big belts. But he is a man that, to be honest, has, has probably had to throw away a few big belts because he won't he won't be able to, to tie them around his waist anymore. He's lost so much weight. And I tell you what, guys, it's, it's brilliant to see him back in the shape that he's in. Even though he's fighting a guy here that many people are not too familiar with, he's managed to get himself in tip-top shape for it. And I've seen the little clips here and there on YouTube, here and there on Twitter, things like that, and I am so excited to see what he's going to do. We will talk about the predictions in this. Of course, Tyson Fury, 25. And oh, Sefer Seferi eyes in the other corner. Like I say, a man that not many people have heard of for sure. He's certainly not a household name, especially over here. But we can't overlook this guy. He's a puncher. He's 23 and 1. That one loss is to the current regular WBA heavyweight world champion, Manuel Char. Okay, and Manuel Char is not a bad fighter. And this guy, like I say, lost a points decision to Manuel Char. He's never been stopped. And of course, Tyson Fury is not the biggest puncher, but we do have to take into account there's a humongous size difference here. This guy really and truly is a career cruiserweight. Um, obviously, yes, this is, I think it's a very, very good fight. Obviously, it's been two years since Tyson Fury's been out of the ring. Obviously, this fight's been showtime in USA. Obviously, everyone wants to see Fury back. Wilder wants to see Fury back. Anthony Joshua wants to see Fury back. And finally, he's coming back. Obviously, it's going to be very, very different due to the fact that He's not training with his uncle P. Fury, and he's training with Ben Davidson. I want to see the difference between what he looks like with Ben Davidson and compare it with what he looks like with P. Fury, because I think this is going to be a very, very different Tyson Fury. Obviously, we've seen videos of him showing his videos where he's, um, where he's, where he's doing his pad works, but I think, it's, I think it's going to be a very good fight. Um, obviously, we see uh, Fury's got 18 knockouts in total. Which his biggest win in his achievement was against the Vladimir Klitschko. Now, this fight in Manchester shows should he win the man, the fight in Manchester, he's gonna have some, he's gonna clear some ring rust off. Um, if I'm gonna go for a win, I'm gonna go for a Tyson Fury win, obviously, and I'm gonna go for him to win in by a knockout, and I think he's gonna do it in style. I really hope so, as I'd like to see him come back with a bang, but I have to say, I think he's gonna win on points. I know that that might be a little bit controversial, but I know that. Um, I know that, you know, there is the ring rust there, there is the new partnership with the trainer which you highlighted I as, and the fact that this guy has never been stopped. I just think that this guy, I mean, this guy, another thing that we should bring up is he's 39 years of age. So this is not a spring chicken. This is not a guy that's probably going to have brilliant legs that's going to be able to, you know, get in and out of range and, well, not really out of range too much because I don't think you can get out of range with Tyson Fury's long arms but I don't think he's going to really be able to stay away and um, at 39 I don't really think he's going to have the you know the speed factor even though he's the much shorter guy kind of thing I think that Tyson Fury is going to just play with him and perhaps stop him late but I, I've just got a feeling it may go points. But that would be the worst thing that could happen. Because if he doesn't come back with a bang, if he looks really boring on points and just gives the guy a complete boxing lesson, everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, Anthony Joshua would knock him out. Do you know what I mean? I just I just don't want to see all that rubbish come back again, you know? So I hope he looks good, but I just, I just can't see a stoppage just yet. 
I hope I hope I hope I'm right because I need the points but I hope I'm wrong at the same time because I'd love to see him come back I'm his biggest fan and um I, I I'm just not quite sure about the ring ruster partnership and the fact that this guy hasn't been stopped that's that's the three things there so um we'll have to wait and see but I'm very intrigued it's very unfortunate that it's not going to be on box nation I'm sad about that I've got to travel to somebody else's house now to watch it because I don't have BT sports so yeah, it's it's certainly worth the travel because you know I love watching the guy fight and this 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 ring return's been so overdue. So all the very best to Tyson Fury and of course Terry Flanagan. TFTF the two um, the two main events there. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them that accolade for sure. Moving over now though to the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California, USA. What do we have over here? We have. Friend of the show, Austin Trout, 31-4. and four. He challenges the champion at this weight, the WBC World Super Welterweight Champion, Mr. Jamel Charlo. Who else? 30-0 and 0 with 15 knockouts. A man that gets compared to his twin brother probably a little bit too often. And people were saying, well, his other brother, the other twin, Jamal Charlo, he's the better of the two. And the only real reason why people were saying that was because... I think Jamal Charlo was knocking people out. Well, lately, Jamal Charlo has really just found this power from nowhere. And he, all of a sudden, looks like a real player at 154. He's had a couple of hiccups along the way, I guess. But, lately, he's looked nothing short of solid, for sure. And many people would have him at number one at 154. Um, In the other corner, like I say, as a former world champion himself, Austin Trout, a very wily veteran, a guy that... Um, he's a brilliant boxer on his day, to be honest. A man that was giving Jarrett Hurd all kinds of trouble early on, but in that fight, he seemed to run out of steam as it went on, and he ended up getting stopped for the first time in his career when he retired on his store after 10 rounds. But he was coming off a real, real long layoff. I think it was about an 18-month layoff, something like that. So there is that there, and he has had a fight in the meantime since that loss. He got a unanimous decision over eight rounds back in February. So... You know, it's not a real ring rust, the Austin Trout. We had him on the show a few weeks back, and he was saying that the ring rust played a part in that fight. And perhaps it did, because he doesn't usually seem to be a fighter that tires late on. So if he's more active, maybe that won't happen. But I think he will have moments in there, Ayers. But I think at this point, with the momentum being with Charlo so, 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 so badly... I I just can't pick against Charlo at the moment. I'm sure you agree with that, and I'm going to go with... Oh, this is difficult now. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go... Oh, man. I'm going to go Charlo on points, Ayers. I don't think he stops Austin Trout. I know you're going to probably say a stoppage, but I don't think it happens. I'm going to go with the opposite. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a knockout with Charlo. I think Charlo, I think he's a very, very good fighter. He's got very good knockout power as well, so I think he'll win. I reckon he wins by stoppage. I was actually thinking about all the predictions before the show, and I've actually written down my predictions before the show, and I put down Charlo knockout, and I've changed that while I've been here for Charlo points, so maybe that was somebody above giving me a message there. Hopefully they like me, otherwise it was a real bad message, and I'll I'll, I'll look quite silly next week, but... um, yeah, I'm hoping for a little bit of luck there. I don't want to see Austin Trout knocked out because I believe this is his last chance at a world title. I think that Ishe Smith, when he came on the show, he was saying that you know Austin Trout's got the best manager in the world. I think it's three world title shots in his last four fights. So he's been very fortunate, but I think the chances will stop happening 
pretty soon, especially if he loses this one. I did say to him, is this a last chance saloon for you? And he, he didn't seem to react very well to that question when I asked him that. He kind of said, no, no, of course it's not. But I really think that this is it for him now. I think it's a must-win fight, otherwise he's got to drop down a level and he could become a bit of a gatekeeper, which some people would probably argue that he already is that. So all the very best to Austin Trout, a real cool guy, and I really hope he can become a a uh, you know a world champion again. He always tells me I'm going to be a future world champion, not just a past and former world champion. So I wish him well with that one. And the main event on this one, Leo Santa Cruz, 34-1 with one draw. It's a rematch. He takes on his former foe, Abner Mares, 31-2 with one draw. This one for the WBA Super World Featherweight title. Um... I mean, as we've seen these two guys fight before, I didn't really think that there was huge appeal for a rematch at the time. Leo Santa Cruz has seemed to really solidify um, himself at the top of the featherweight division really since the win over Abner Mares in 2015, whereas Mares has kind of done the opposite. He's had two fights in that time, both wins. One was a split decision over 12 rounds against Jesus Cuellar, and the other one was a technical decision. I think it was a bad cut, and that was back in 2017 in October. So he hasn't really been that active. And like I say, in the time that um, that, that fight took place. Leo Santa Cruz, of course, as as um you know, he beat he beat Kiko Martinez, he fought Carl Frampton twice, which we kind of forget about a little bit now, and he's fought and knocked out Chris Avalos. They both actually fought on the same card last time out, so the ring rush should be pretty even, kind of thing. But um, I'm expecting Leo Santa Cruz to win this one and win well eyes. I think it'll be pretty much the same kind of fight really. I think I'm gonna go with a Leo Santa Cruz points win just like the first time. Yes, obviously, I watched the first fight, and I think it was a very, very good fight. I remember watching that fight uh, three years ago, back in 2015, and obviously, it was a very good fight there, but it was both, both sluggish, right? They were both going at each other, and obviously, Leo Santa Cruz won by points. If I'm going to have to choose a winner for this fight, I'm going to go once again, Leo Santa Cruz to win on points, because I think it'll be a very good fight, and I think the winner is going to fight Frampton. We certainly hope so. I'd like to see Frampton get the uh, the Leo Santa Cruz fight on home turf because Leo Santa Cruz promised that but then he didn't he didn't really deliver to be honest did he I mean he only really wanted the fight after he after he lost and then Carl Frampton gave him the rematch went back out to the states for it he lost it was a good fight and um, it was a majority decision just like the first one and they've had two majority decision fights now Carl Frampton and Leo Santa Cruz so it would be great to have a third just to really settle it um, but yeah, we should mention, like you say, as Abnamarez, the first fight with these two, it was a majority decision, I failed to acknowledge, so um, perhaps it will be a good fight, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be um, just as good as the last one, but yeah, I, can, I can't really see anything else but a Leo Santa Cruz points win. Um, that's it for that bill. Moving over now to one of the last bills to mention. It's happening at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. Who is on this bill? Do you need to ask me? Do you need to ask me? We're going to start with the undercard, actually. Shakur Stevenson, 6-0. and oh, He takes on Aelio Mesquita. I had to double check. It looked like it was Mosquito, which is real, really becoming a real problem in the UK at the moment, especially for me. Um, but yeah, I don't see this guy being 
of any threat really to Shakur Stevenson. The one thing that I do like about this this fight here is that Shakur Stevenson once again steps up in class and this guy that he's taking on has got an impressive looking resume on paper, 16 and 1, okay? And this guy, what I will say about him, of his 16 wins, he's got 14 knockouts. He's a Brazilian guy, 26 years old. He's coming off of a knockout loss, though, back in December of 2017 against Nathaniel May. So that kind of ended his momentum, I guess. But he was coming off a real string of knockouts, actually. So this should be, or could be, I should say, quite a good fight. I know there's a lot of people out there comparing Shakur Stevenson to Michael Conlon. And this is a fight here where he's in there against a real, real proven puncher. So if he can deal with him and negate his power and stuff like that, then it'll be great to see. So I really wish Shakur Stevenson all the best. Of course, a man that has been on this show before. Also on this bill, the brother of the current and reigning WBC super middleweight champion is, of course, David Benavidez. His older brother, 26-0, Jose Benavidez, is on this bill. It's weird because he's had this long, long, long-standing feud with Terence Crawford, who, of course, is... Um, you know, he's headlining this bill here. So I'm not quite sure why they're both on the same card because they hate each other's guts. And last time they were near each other, Terence Crawford asked Benavidez to go outside. Anyway, they didn't go outside, thankfully. But Jose Benavidez is a guy that's really looking quite impressive. I don't think he lost the fight in the amateurs. He's 26-0, and like I say. But he takes on a guy that's never lost in the pro ranks either. A guy called Frank Rojas, 22-0 and with 21 knockouts. That really is something. The only thing is, when you actually look deeper into his resume, I'm going to do it right now. Honestly, he's fought really inexperienced guys. He's coming off of how many knockouts in a row is this? Boy, oh boy. Okay, so his fight that went the distance was his third fight. That's the only fight that went the distance. So he, he, I'm going to go back to 2012. He made his debut against a guy who was making his debut. Knocked him out. Fought another debutant. Knocked him out. Went the distance with a guy that was 0-2 and two with one draw. Then he knocks out. All these guys since then, I'm going to read out their resumes. 0-4 with one draw, 1-1, 2-24, debutant, debutant, 0-5, 0-1, 2-10, and 9-0, fair enough, we'll give him that one, 1-4, So this guy has beaten one fighter or two fighters, I think, with winning records. So a little bit padded there, my friend, unfortunately. And I think Jose Benavidez will win that one and win it very well because Jose Benavidez can punch as well. So perhaps a knockout on the cards there in that one. But it should be a good fight. It certainly looks good on paper there. 26-0 versus 22-0. Moving up the bill once again, Antonio Moran, his record 23-2. I believe he's defending his WBO Latino lightweight title in the other corner former world champion Jose Pedraza 23 and 1 that only one loss coming to Javante Davis a good fighter though Jose Pedraza um, I think this is his second fight now with top rank so I'm sure he'll win this title and win it well also on this bill a guy called Maxim Dadashev 10 and 0 he fights for the vacant NABF super lightweight title and the vacant USBA super lightweight title in the other corner Darlis Perez, 33-3 with two draws. That's a 10-rounder there. Darlis Perez usually... 
provides good entertainment, so that one should hopefully be quite good. But the main event now, Jeff Hornires, the WBO World Welterweight Champion, 18-0 and with one draw. Of course, he ripped the belt away from Manny Pacquiao. Fairly in my eyes, not so fairly in some other people's eyes. Last time out, he defends, though, straight away against Terence Crawford, the former 140 division king, but he's moving up in weight himself. And this is his first fight at 147. It's for a world title. It's against Jeff Horn, who's a very unorthodox kind of fighter, a man that really has quite an awkward style, to be honest. And it'll be interesting to see how Terence Crawford fares against him. But let's have it right here. Two unbeaten guys in the ring, one guy with a fantastic win against the Hall of Famer, and one guy who, to be honest, is going down the route of being a future Hall of Famer. So we like that. Both men are undefeated. There's a world title on the line. Brilliant stuff, Ayaz. Yes, I think it's a very, very good fight, obviously. Uh, we see Jeff Horn uh, for Pacquiao last time. We fought um, Terence Crawford for uh, Julio Sandonga. And Crawford um, became the undisputed king. And we saw, obviously, uh, Horn beat Pacquiao. In my opinion, I didn't. I, I personally didn't think that Pac- Horn shouldn't beat in Pacquiao. I personally thought Pacquiao won this fight. Terence Crawford stepping up to Waterway from light Waterway. I personally think, um, if I'm going to go for a winner, I'm going to go for... Uh, Terence Crawford, and if I'm going to go how he wins it, I'm, I think he's going to win by a knockout. I think he's going to stop him. Okay, you've said it there, Ayaz. I'm going to go with a Terence Crawford points win. Um, the reason for this is, of course, Terence Crawford's not really a big puncher. I mean, he's he's looked like he can really punch at times, and he can punch, but I don't really think he's got that one-punch KO power, really. He's done it once or twice, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking him in any in any way. I think he's certainly one of the best fighters in the world. But moving up in weight also kind of takes it away a little bit more. I don't think he will be much of a big puncher at 147. I also think that Jeff Horn's quite a tough guy anyway, and I don't think he really stands in the pocket too much. He's got a real weird style. He almost reminds me a little bit. He's got kind of like a Carl Frotch style. And I'm telling you now, if you watch him, watch that fight there against Pacquiao, and also watch this fight on the weekend, he fights a lot like Carl Froch. It's really weird. The thing with him is he doesn't stand in the pocket like Carl Froch did. But the way he comes in, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Carl Froch in one of the George Groves fights. I think it was the, the first George Groves fight particularly. And... Um, yeah, Jeff Horn reminds me of that. So I don't think he's going to get stopped. I just don't think Terence Crawford will be able to stop him. And if he does stop him, it won't be a one-punch kind of job. It will be like an accumulative beatdown, which, by the way, Terence Crawford is very capable of doing to anybody, to be honest, because he's such an animal. Um, he's, he's, he's a phenomenal fighter. But I just don't think he's going to get the knockout. I think Jeff Horn is quite a tough cookie, and I don't think he's going to want to let that belt go, especially, I think it's his US debut, I could be wrong, but it's his first fight in the States, if I'm not mistaken, and I think he wants to impress here, of course, he he did really well to get Manny Pacquiao to go over to Australia for him, but I don't think he's going to give up that belt easy, I think he's quite a stubborn character, and I think that he will last to points, but I think he will lose on points very, very wide, I don't think he he really offers much of a threat to Crawford. I just think the size could be a bit of a factor, really, in the strength of Horn. And, you know, he's a durable guy, but I don't really see much coming back to trouble Crawford. I think Crawford wins quite comfortably on points, though. Your guy with the KOI is quite, quite brave of you there. Um, 
once again, I will say once again, at the end of the show, we will announce the listeners' results on their poll. I'm going to give it a little bit more time until we check the poll at the end of the show when we've spoken to the second and final guest. Um, that's it for that one, though. A brilliant, brilliant, brilliant night of boxing Saturday will be. I absolutely cannot wait. Of course, we've got the Leo Santa Cruz card with Austin Trout and Charlo on that bill. We've got the Tyson Fury card with Terry Flanagan on that bill. And this one, of course... A few good fights on the undercard, some of the prospects, Jose Benavidez, Shakur Stevenson, a few other guys, um, Jose Pedraza on there as well, and of course the main event, really arguably the best fight of the weekend actually, so definitely a lot of boxing here, there and everywhere, free, huge bills, I want to watch them all, I, I need to find the time, and now moving over to the final bill to mention, it's happening on Sunday the 10th of June, of course this Sunday, one fight to mention, happening, or two fights, in fact, three fights I've got on this one, three fights to mention here, three friends of the show, all three men have been on before, we've got Michael Hunter, 13-1, and one. his one loss to Usyk in a fight where he gave Usyk one hell of a fight, by the way, he's in a 10-rounder against Iago Kiladze, who's 26-2, and two. that could be a banana skin there, Michael Hunter needs to be more active, he really ran out of steam towards the end, he was giving Usyk trouble, real bad trouble, he was beating Usyk in the early parts of that fight and it's a shame to be honest because the momentum seems to have died and most people have probably forgot about that fight because it seems a long time ago now um, also moving up the bill, Gerald Washington, former heavyweight world title challenger, 18-2 and two with one draw, he takes on a guy called John Nofire John No Fire. He's going to need fire if he expects to win. His record 20 and 1. That's a 10 rounder there. All the very best to Gerald Washington. And the top of the bill over here, I believe it's the top of the bill anyway. It's going to be shown on Fox Sports 1 in the US. Travis Kaufman, 31 and 2. Former opponent of Chris Ariola. Really needs to kind of get going with his career now, actually. He's got a real. Um, you know, string of wins now, and I want to see him stepped up, because he, he will literally fight anybody, I believe that. In the other corner for him, though, Scott Alexander, 14-2 and two with two draws. I'm expecting Travis Kaufman, our friend, to get through that one with relative ease. That is a 10-round contest also, and that really wraps up the preview, and like I say, a lot, a lot, a lot to go over. Many, many bills scattered here, there, and everywhere. We've done the previewing now. We've done the news. We've done the reviewing. We brought you our first guest, it's now time, just before we wrap up the show, to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO world title challenger, Mr. Michael Hunter. Michael, welcome back on the show. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. Hey, it's my pleasure, Pardon. my friend. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So, Michael, of course, we last spoke just over a year ago now. It was fight week at the time for your fight against Alexander Usyk for the WBO Cruiserweight World title. You were a big yeah. underdog going into that fight. You started exceptionally well in the fight. You easily won the early rounds. As the fight went on, though, you seemed to get fatigued. Of course, you were dropped late on in the 12th round. You ultimately lost very wide on points. I didn't really agree with the scorecards to be honest I had it a lot closer but tell us what do you remember from that night um I, I don't remember me getting dropped but uh <laughs> but uh I, I do um I do remember uh yeah I did fade out early um you know just minor technical problems before before the bout started uh I drank a lot of water I kind of maybe flushed my body out was like maybe too hydrated 
But uh, I know I started well, and I could see uh, during the fight that he seemed to be a little fatigued as well, but, uh, you know, he was in, in a little better shape than I was at the time for sure, so... And also, we should point out that you were coming off almost a year layoff at the time, so you know the uh, the fatigue factor is kind of understandable there. Um, I just wanted to really say you put up a brilliant effort because this guy is now being talked about as the number one guy at cruiserweight, and for many rounds in that fight, you were really giving him hell, man. So well done there. Um, yeah, thank you. Just the just the last note on Usyk. Obviously, he's now gone on to join this World Boxing Super Series tournament. He's also picked up the WBC belt. Now, there isn't a date set yet, as far as I know, for him to take on Gassiev for all the belts in the final. But when they do fight, who do you see being you know the the favorite in that fight in your mind? Oh, most definitely Usyk. Uh, he's a lot of lighter on his feet. The guy I think uh, Gassiev. He really has. He's gonna have problems with people that move a lot and as, that are light on his, on their feet. You know, um, he's a big, heavy puncher. He, he's he's fairly young, um, which sometimes that sounds like a good thing. But when it's two younger guys, you know, Usyk's not that old. He's kind of in his prime, and uh, Gassiev probably still has a little more uh, growth in him. You know, so uh, I think that. That'll be the factor is just the experience and the in the, in the prime, uh, the the prime usage, you know. Yeah, I have to agree to be honest. Now, one thing we spoke about last time that you were on the show was your weight. I know that in the amateurs you fought at heavyweight. Um, you know, when you turned pro, you fought at heavyweight. Then you moved down to cruiserweight. Now you're back up at heavyweight. I understand. Are you staying at heavyweight now? Um, you know. I- my, you know, always it's funny because Deontay just mentioned this on his Instagram, but you know, my my always my dream was to actually uh, fight at both weight classes and defend them if I could. Uh, you know, going back and forth. So uh, me do actually going back and up and down and up and down is something I always kind of uh, been my plan uh, to do um, way when I was young. So. Uh, not that I actually planned it out like this this time, but yeah, actually, I think I'm gonna stay at heavyweight right now. You know, the heavyweights are booming, and there's a lot of different guys that I've already competed and beat, and you know, and um, competed with. So uh, they know me, and I know them fairly well. So um, I'm gonna definitely stay here for a little bit until I get my name back up there. And I know Usyk is uh, after this, he's gonna come to heavyweight because there's no more fights. And there's not a lot of money at the uh, heavyweights. Uh, that, I mean, in the cruiserweights. Um, so you know, the the money thing was basically to to get all the belts. Whoever did that was was the one who was going to uh, end up moving the heavyweight anyway. So he looks like he's he's on his way doing uh, on his way to do that. So uh, I congratulate him um, if he if he gets past Gassiev because Gassiev is not a an easy uh, customer to vote to run by so uh yeah i'll definitely be a heavyweight for a little bit and try to beat up these guys and get these titles and um if i can go back if it's if it's in the if it's in the future i'll definitely go back down the cruiserweight you know i'm 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 right around that that weight class and like 214 to two you know i can get I'm, i'm right around there anyway okay so you you've lost a bit of weight then because i know that last time out you weighed quite heavy to be honest yeah, yeah, I was, um, you know, just getting back. Like you said, I, you know, my, you know, the the worst thing to do 
with a fighter is uh, keep them inactive. And, you know, that, that I think that's been my, my worst um, enemy. My worst, yeah, my worst enemy is just the um, the management and the inactivity. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm just trying to stay as active as I can. And uh, hopefully from here on out, you know, I'll have some decent little fights. I mean, some decent fights and to stay busy, whether I get them, whether they're big fights, little fights. I'm I'm, I'm taking all comers. Uh, so, and I heard um, my man Tyson Fury calling out people again, uh, telling them, talking about coming up to the cruiserweight. So I think that was, that was a shout out to me. So, <laughs> so um... <laughs> Not not to go off topic too much, but you me- you mentioned managerial stuff there. Um, I noticed that your your manager bizarrely lives in the UK. Is that is that a guy that you've been with for a long time, or is that recent? Because I only just noticed it. No, no, um, that's just the guy I've been working with uh, lately. Um, uh, yeah, we've just been working together. Uh, he's not uh, fully a, a full full manager yet. He's kind of like you know, my manager on the uh, European side. I see. Um, but but we are definitely uh, working together and trying to get some things together to stay okay. busy. Cool, cool, cool. So you're fighting this Sunday. It's pretty unusual, really, to fight on Sundays these days. It'll, it'll be your first time fighting on a Sunday. Um, I'm sure that it's like any other day, really, to you, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes I don't even know what month it is. I just... You know, we're just working and working and working, you know. Uh, yeah, so today, it's really, I guess it's just different for, for the people watching, really. Yeah, it's not really too different for me. Um, you know, the the time is still the same. You know, they we're still fighting in the evening. Uh, you know, I really don't really, uh, like I said, I sometimes I don't even know what, what month it is. So I don't really have a, a day where I, where I always go by how my body feels to take the day off or whatever or slow down or speed up so okay what i will say i like to bring out a fact here and there when i'm doing interviews and this is my fact for you your father actually fought twice on sundays both times oh. <laughs> both times he got the victory one of those times was actually for the usba heavyweight title when he stepped in at, at um, late notice against uh, against a former mike tyson opponent in terrell biggs so it's very important to continue the 100 percent undefeated on a sunday streak in your family my man <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a good fact too there you go there you go and your opponent this weekend of course is iago kiladzi he's 26 and 2 with 18 ko's his only two losses came to yuri kalenga who's a decent fighter although lately he's kind of hit a bit of a sticky patch and also adam kalnaki another unbeaten promising heavyweight prospect this guy is no slouch it's a tough fight on paper yeah he is um and he has he has decent pretty uh decent skills he, he's long uh, he has that european style um you know like i said I'm, I'm fighting win lose or draw you know i'm gonna be hopefully stay consistent and fight you know i don't think i'll i'll ever be in a position to where they'll say oh let's let's pick michael hunter for the easy fight you know just to get the win so um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a, not going to be an easy a win, but you know we've seen them we've seen them fold and, and um, you know get knocked out a few times, and I'm looking forward to do that doing that myself. 
And you yourself, you only fought six weeks ago. You fought a bit of a keep busy fight kind of thing, not to be disrespectful to the opponent, but I'm guessing. No, absolutely. I'm guessing, you know, you, you had that fight really just to shake off the ring rust because you hadn't fought for a year prior to that. Were you rusty at all six weeks ago? I haven't been able to really catch that fight. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely a little rusty. The guy was, um, even though uh, it was like a, you know, like a tune-up fight, the guy was no slouch. He, he, he had, I think he had 50, 40, 50 fights already, and he was only like 28 years old. So he was actually, I would consider him pretty like a veteran, you know. He took shots very well, and uh, he was very game, you know. It wasn't just like a super slouch where I was able to knock him out and stuff. So. And um, yeah, if 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 you're going to be staying at heavyweight for the foreseeable future, the two champions right now, of course, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Last time we spoke, it was just before the um, the Joshua Klitschko fight, and we were both kind of split on who we thought was going to win. Obviously, Anthony Joshua's just carried on marching on brilliantly really if if the unification does happen for all the belts who do you see being the victorious one man that's a real tough one you know uh i really think it, it, it it's a toss-up you know um i kind of see um anthony as the better skilled boxer as far as movement and you know um ability wise but you know there's so many different attributes to this game uh you know Deontay has his own you know it's maybe not in movement and skill but you know as you can see is the big the big hammer and uh, the bomb squad back there and uh and he also has heart you know he's always he's never really been you know he was my 2008 Olympic teammate and he was the cruiserweight back then and I was the heavyweight um and he always he always had a a, a big right hand and he always had a lot of heart, you know, even if he would get knocked down um, or dropped or anything, it w- he would get up and, and he would be ready to fight again. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's going to be a hard, it's going to be a hard, it's going to be hard to beat somebody like that. And I mean, obviously Anthony Joshua has the same, the same thing. We've seen him get off, off the floor with, um, you know, uh, Klitschko. Um, so it, it's a toss up. I think it's it's whoever lands that big right hand. Yeah, I think I have to agree, to be honest. I mean, both men have got that power. And um, it's a fight that I definitely don't see going 12 rounds. So, um, yeah, I'll no. make you right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, I, don't, I don't see it going 12. And just finally, just finally, Michael, um, I wanted to ask you, really, if there was anything that you wanted to say at all before we let you go to anybody in particular, just anything that you want to get off your chest at all. Um, just the, the heavyweight, anybody in that heavyweight division, I, I'm coming, you know. Uh, like I said, I've been competed with these guys already. Um, you know, um, I, I hate to name drop, but, you know, I, I, I've competed with these with these heavyweights already that are at the top. Uh, so I'm definitely, you'll, you'll definitely see me in the heavyweight division in, in the top 10 uh, real soon. Is there anyone on your radar at all? I know that you, you, you know, I'm not going to try and push you to call. Well, I, right I would, but, you know, if I had a chance, I would like to fight Tyson Fury. Um, you know, we've, we've had a little, that's kind of like my, actually him and me and him have the same exact birth date. So, um, and we fought on, uh, we both got bronze at the under 19. That's when I first met him. 
And uh, and we also competed with each other a few times. Well, once I was supposed to fight him a, a, a few times, but that that wasn't that didn't quite happen. But uh, <laughs> so Tyson Fury, you know, um, and and anybody with those titles, you know, uh, those are the big the big fights. I want the big big fights, you know, just to show and prove myself that I'm, I'm, you know, I know I'm a small heavyweight compared to those big guys, but um, I'm definitely in the uh, as far as skill wise and, and competing. Uh, I'm no slouch when it comes to to fighting heavyweights. That's that's my normal, uh, my norm anyway. Yeah, for sure. So you guys fought in the amateurs, right? Yes, we did. Uh, it was a London versus uh, USA duel, uh, England versus um, USA duel, and um, we was actually supposed to fight twice. You know, usually they have an A and B team, and uh, you know, usually the A team fights the A team, and then we switch. But uh, me and him were the only two, we were the only heavyweights, uh, super heavyweights at the time. So we were supposed to fight twice. And uh, I fought him the first time. He got the win. Uh, I mean, you know, I had to basically knock him out. And I almost did. I was I was a hairline a, a minute away from, uh, 30 seconds away from knocking him out. But, you know, he got, they got the uh, W and uh, there was no second bout. So. I kind of knew within my heart of hearts that, uh, you know, I kind of had a, I have a little victory in my heart about it, even though it's on paper that he won. Okay, interesting. I never knew that, man. It's, it's, it's good to hear that. Right. Um, anything at all, like, you know, to the, to the, to the listeners or any, any message you want to give just before I let you go? Uh, no, just uh, follow me on, on Michael Bounty Hunter on Instagram. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, please be patient uh, for, to my fans out there. And uh, I promise you I won't let you down. Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. And, and thank, you, thank you for having me on the show uh, once again, man. It's, it's always a pleasure. It's one of my favorite uh, podcasts to, uh, and interviews to do. Uh, you, you guys always ask the best questions and uh, make everything so much so interesting. I appreciate it. Hey man, I really appreciate those kind words and listen Michael, I'd like to thank you for your time I'd like to wish you the best of luck for Sunday and we'll catch up sometime soon, I'm sure Yes sir, please uh, yeah, hit me up after and uh, you know, we'll, we'll go from there Okay, and now it's time to conclude episode 138 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the undefeated knockout artist and WBC interim super lightweight world champion, Mr. Regis Progray, and the 2012 US Olympian turned professional prospect at both cruiserweight and heavyweight, Mr. Michael Hunter. Whilst we've been recording this show, two pieces of news have brought Broken. The IVF have now stripped Gennady Golovkin because he didn't agree to fight his mandatory. It seems really sad, to be honest, because if he did end up fighting Billy Joe Saunders, it now would not be for all the belts. That is quite a thumbs down, to be honest. Also, Dillian White's next opponent has been announced. It will be Joseph Parker at London's O2 Arena on July 28th. It was funny because even Dan Raphael broke the news saying it would be Dillian White against Luis Ortiz, and so many others said that 
the same. Boxing posters were being made, merchandise was being printed, other boxing media were reporting on it as gospel truth. All these fake, reliable sources out there, one thing that we don't do is report rumours or fake news. My direct source actually um, gave me a tip-off late last night, but like a normal person, it wasn't my job to say anything. I'm not one to announce fights, that's not what we do, we just discuss things that has already been announced, and it was quite funny, to be honest, seeing all these other guys that um, I suppose are kind of looked at as more important media than us, um, you know, getting everything horribly wrong, so um, in my opinion... There are too many boxing media outlets that want to be the ones to break the latest news, and they've all took a huge L there if they did report on the White versus Ortiz fight. But anyways, back to some positive stuff. The Prediction League currently sits at myself on 38 points. It's not so positive, actually. I as on 41, and you, the listeners, are positive 42. There are six points up for grabs this weekend. Best of luck to everyone there. Enjoy your weekends, people. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show, and we hope to see you all next week.